0: Lonely song, the song's for you. Semantics is the branch of linguistics and logic concerned with meaning. Did you know that? I had to look that up. I didn't know that. I thought semantics was what we argued about. (laughs) I was like, you say it means this, I say it means that. Well, you said this, but I said that I meant that. Have you ever noticed how many arguments you've had with people about the meaning of a word? When you know darned well what you meant, but someone else will say, or you'll say, you'll defend yourself by saying, well, that's not what I meant. I didn't say that. Have you ever noticed how you can be so nitpicky about a word? Like one little word and we'll be all nitpicky about it because we really want to be right. It's not about communication at all. It's about being right. So semantics being the branch of linguistics and logic concerned with meaning is important to me because I use words. Meaning is what is meant by a word by a text, by a concept, or by an action. All of these things can have meaning. It's not just words that have meaning, though we fall back on words. And we have a whole judicial system based on the technicality of words. No one is interested in finding out the intention of an action what someone meant. They're interested in just dividing and defining a word so that if you are outside of those definitions, if you're outside of the boundaries of that, then you're wrong. But if you're inside of the boundaries of that, then you're right. And it's all about being right and wrong, which of course, I imagine you're going to have to have in a judicial atmosphere because you're trying to find out who's right and who's wrong, what's right and what's wrong. Something that I don't really want to participate in. I'm not interested in doing that Agreement is harmony or accordance in opinion or feeling. It's a position or result of agreeing. Not even the dictionary dares to mention agreement about the truth. Well, No, it won't bother with that. It's harmony or accordance in opinion or feeling, a position or result of agreeing. But it doesn't mention anything about the truth. And the reason it doesn't mention anything about the truth is because there isn't really much agreement about the truth. Because we just don't agree. Look at all of the different religions of the world. Look at all the different opinions about everything. No one seems to be able to agree. And it's because of this idea of semantics. Meaning. What is meant. By a word, a text, a concept, or an action. What is meant. And we read things and we think we know what was meant. But then we don't agree. So two people or five people or ten people read something. And they can't seem to agree what it means. And if they do agree... It's like a pre-agreed agreement. They don't agree based on what it is. They agree based on what the club says it is. We agree to agree on this. It's like the Democrats agree to agree about the Republicans, and the Republicans agree to agree about the Democrats. The Democrats think the Republicans are wrong, and the Republicans think the Democrats are wrong, blah, blah, blah. Now down here, at our level of misunderstanding, there's little or no agreement, harmony, or accordance concerning either meaning or truth. Meaning about anything, meaning about inconsequential things, like whether it's a nice day or not. I came in, and one of the first things I heard was someone say, where did the sun go? And I kind of laughed to myself. I didn't say anything. I kind of laughed to myself, and I thought, well, it hasn't gone anywhere. It's right where it's always been. What do you mean by that? And then I thought about it. I thought about, well, what is the meaning of where did the sun go? The meaning is, I don't like this. I don't want the day to be like this. I want the day to be some other way. I want the sun to be bright. I want it to be warm. I don't want any clouds in the sky. For me to be happy, the sun has to be the way I want it to be. And I thought, wow, we really set ourselves up for misery. But then we love it. Look at how much we enjoy just telling other people how awful it is and how hard our life is. And that becomes our story, our song. Well, launching into this fray is like entering a battlefield, trying to deal with meaning, trying to sort out what's true, what's not true. It's a fool's errand, if you think about it. It's something that you would send an idiot on. Is this an errand you would send an idiot? Go down there and straighten that out. Go tell these people who are stuck in misunderstanding that they're stuck in misunderstanding and that this is the way it really is. What is going to be the result of somebody who does that? What's going to happen if you walk into the halls of higher learning, Harvard or Yale or Cambridge or Oxford, and you go in there and you get the professors together and you straighten them out? How's that going to work out? What do you think the semantics of that little scene will be? What do you think the meaning will be there? How many people do you think will agree with you? How many people do you think will agree with each other? I'd say probably you're barking up the wrong tree. Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are prudent in Christ, we are weak, but you are strong, you are distinguished, but we are without honor. You know, it sounds like he's whining. Well, you get all the good stuff and we, you know, it's awful. And I think, no, I, I don't think so. I think that what he's saying is that if you're going to follow the world, and if you're going to run after the things of the world, we're going to be idiots to you. We're going to be fools to you. We're going to seem like morons to you. We don't want the things you want. We want something else. We're weak. We don't have the things you have, but we don't want them either. If you like or don't like, if you agree or disagree with esoteric teachings, will depend upon one simple thing. Yep, I've thought about this. I've thought about this a lot. That's how come I could come down to one simple thing. Do you think you have unrealized potential? Now, most people will say, absolutely. I could earn more money. I could get a better girlfriend. I could get a better boyfriend. I could do this. I could do that. I could have a better car. I could have a better house. Yes, there are all kinds of unrealized potential, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you think that you have unrealized potential? Not that the world has unrealized potential. Not that there are things that you could get in the world, but do you think that you have unrealized potential? This doesn't mean in an outer sense, but rather internally, psychologically, spiritually. Do you think you have unrealized potential spiritually? Do you think you have room to grow spiritually? Morris Nichols said, if evolution is possible, there must be something to evolve into. Esoteric teachings reveal to us there's a higher level of understanding from which we have fallen away. That's what esoteric teachings say, that we have fallen away. But we don't like that idea of falling away. Some people absolutely will not tolerate that. I haven't fallen away. They just get all wound up about that because they think of this religious stuff and the fall of man. And they have such an aversion to that for whatever reason that they can't hear it. One thing I like about Asteric teachings is they say, fine, you don't like it that way? Then look at it this way. You've yet to make contact with this higher level. It's not that you once were in touch with this higher level. It's that you've never even made contact with it. You just haven't reached that yet. And for some reason, that little turn of a phrase there is just enough to salve the self-love and the ego so that it can go on. Yes, the self-love and the ego are tremendous, what? Deficits when it comes to spiritual growth. But esoteric teachings is not about bashing anything. It's not about hammering anything or destroying anything. It's about having you realize your true potential, having you realize all that you could be, having you step into, evolve into, grow into all of your possibilities. And I don't mean in an outer way, but in an inner way. So this little turn of the phrase, just looking at it a different way, instead of falling away from something, instead of you once had it, but you fell away from it, you haven't ever had it. You never were in contact with it. Now you have to make contact with it. Or you get to make contact with it. So this helps to keep our self-love intact until another time. But make no mistake, the self-love will be challenged. If not now, then later. But it will be challenged. There will be little argument that we begin life by experiencing it through the five senses. Give or take a couple. Some people have three senses. Some people have two. Some people have four. Some people have five. Some people have six. But mostly, we'll agree. One of the things we can agree on is that we pretty much experience life through the five senses. What comes to us comes through our eyes, our ears, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch. It's pretty much how it happens. In this way, we try to find some stability, not realizing that life will not satisfy us because of the way that we're created as self-developing organisms. If you were a toaster, you would be so happy if somebody just put a couple of slices of bread in the slots and pushed the little thing down, and you got to make that bread toast. That's what toasters do, so they're happy doing that. You take a DVD or CD and put it in the toaster, the toaster's not going to be happy for long, because when that CD or DVD melts, it's going to gum up the works and catch on fire, and then the toaster's not going to be happy. And if you put a piece of bread in a DVD or a CD player, it's not going to be happy, because it's not going to be able to make toast from it. It's just going to clog up the works, gum up the works, and ruin it. So, you see, being what you were made to be is what could make you happy. And so you look around in the world and you find all these really unhappy people or temporarily happy people. Happy now, not happy in five minutes. Where did the sun go? Not happy. Why? Well, because I think that I'm here to experience the sun and a sunny day and go for a walk today. And that's what I want to do. That's what I need to be happy. And so if the sun doesn't play along, well, then I'm not happy. I think that probably we missed the boat here. Trying to find stability in this changing world isn't working for us. And the reason is not because the world is screwed up, but because that's not how we're made. We're not made to toast DVDs and CDs. We're like this machine that's not made for this, it's made for something else, and we keep on trying to make it do this. Now, some folks have almost always found something odd about life when viewed from the perspective that life is an end in itself. Like, well, what is that little thing, that bumper sticker, you know? Whoever has the most toys at the end wins okay, but there's some people who don't think that and never thought that. They look at that and they go, I don't think so. There's something wrong with those people. Either that or there's something right with those people and there's something wrong with the rest of us. They find that adding stuff to themselves, to their lives, fails to satisfy an inner longing that they have, an intuitive sense of something more being possible for them. It occurs to them something else is needed but not in an outer way, not something available through the five senses and touching life ambitions. It goes kind of like this. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life's span? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? I love esoteric teachings, And I do because I begin to understand them. There are other people who don't understand that. People who look at that and go, Yeah, so what? I heard all that in Sunday school. So what? I don't like that. That's in Luke chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. In the event you're interested in reading that yourself and the rest of it, the stuff that surrounds it, to take it in context. But the whole idea is that you can't do. You can't do. We don't like hearing that. We don't like hearing we can't do. eh? Sure I can do. Watch, I can do this. You know, I can get angry at you. I can do this. No, you can't do. It's doing. The machine is doing. It's just doing. It's like putting the bread in the toaster. It's doing. It's doing, but it's not really doing. It's doing the only thing it can do. It's doing what it was made to do. But we're not doing what we were made to do. We're imitating toasters and DVD players and cars and trucks and this and that. We're imitating everything else, but we're not finding out what it is that we were created to do what it is that we're about, what it is that we're here for. We haven't found the semantics of our own life, the meaning of our own life. What is the meaning of your life? Who cares what the meaning of life is? I don't care. I don't care what the meaning of life is. I'm not interested. I do want to know what my meaning is. The reason we worry is because life compels us to do so, since we've lost contact with the something higher, or since we fell away, or since we never made contact, whichever you choose. All the worry in the world doesn't bring us a hair's breadth closer to contact with something higher. All the fretting in the world doesn't do it. What is this something higher up to? What is it up to? What's this about? What's the message? The fourth way we hear all the time, the higher centers are speaking to us all the time. They're broadcasting this message to us all the time. Well, what is the message? What is this something higher? Well, esoteric teachings are designed by conscious minds. We don't know much about conscious minds. We pretty much are part of the unconscious mechanical circle of humanity. So we don't know what the conscious circle of humanity is like. We don't know what it's like to have a conscious mind because we haven't had one long enough to be able to nail it down. We get a little flash of consciousness, a flash of awareness. And then slowly we, or not so slowly, we sink back down into the darkness where we then imagine that we know. We are back to looking at the shadows on the wall, the pictures. Instead of the light. Conscious minds designed esoteric teachings to seed humanity with ideas that we would immediately understand, know, and see clearly if we were in contact with higher centers. What does higher centers mean? Forget about it. If we were in contact with higher influences, if we were in contact with something more conscious, we would instantly, immediately understand, know, and see clearly what these ideas mean but we don't. These ideas come to us and we don't understand what they mean. We misunderstand them. We cannot grasp their meaning. So few people digest esoteric teachings because they leave them in their memories where they're useless and can never change their minds or ways of thinking. As long as we just collect these ideas the way that people collect marbles or stamps or model airplanes or whatever people collect which I imagine people collect everything, anything. People collect coupons from cigarette packages. People collect tin plates. People collect almost anything. What is the purpose if you never use it? The worst thing you can collect and not use is knowledge. The very worst thing you can collect and not use is knowledge. If you collect knowledge and don't use it, you're not digesting it, you're not eating it. And if you don't eat it, you can't digest it. And if you can't digest it, it's never going to nourish you. It's never going to do anything for you. These ideas must be taken into both the mind and the heart of a man before transformation or new birth is possible. Instead, they're written down in notebooks and filed away. It's amazing to me. I do these notes, and I've been doing these notes for years, and I have all of the notes from all of the podcasts that I've done, all the fat podcasts. And I think a few weeks ago, Curtis was here, and I opened up my filing cabinet, and I showed him all these notes. And it's like a book nearly a ream of paper. It's about a half a ream of paper, I guess, of these notes. And I thought, what good are these notes, really? What good are these notes? Here they are in the filing cabinet. What good are they? Well, I can show somebody these notes and say, see, I've done all this. Or I can show somebody my life and say, see, this is what this work does. The problem with showing someone your life and saying, see, this is what this work does, is they're not going to agree with the meaning. There's no way that you can make them agree. And so we have to ask ourselves, with what are we going to be in agreement? Where are we going to find our meaning? Are we going to find our meaning in the world? Or are we going to find our meaning internally, psychologically, spiritually? And that's going to make the difference between which world you're going to be in, the mechanical world of sleeping humanity or the the circle of conscious humanity where there are conscious minds that agree on these ideas. Without new semantics, new forms of meaning, the truth remains inaccessible to us. We have to change and reach up, not bring the higher down to where we are. See, the idea of the higher is we think, oh, well, if I could just make contact with the higher and get it down here where I am, then everything will be fine. No, it won't. What you'll do is you'll tarnish and sully the higher by bringing it down here into the mud. Instead, what we need to do is grab that rope and climb up to the higher and leave the mud behind and leave the lower behind. How do we do that? Well, because we live in pretense and falsity, higher truth is unreachable in our current state. In pretense and falsity, it cannot be reached. So the first thing we have to do is have some kind of influence from something higher, and just in the form of an idea. And the idea is you're full of pretense and falsity. You're not real. You're a fiction. Your life is based on something that isn't going to take you anywhere higher. It's going to keep you on the hamster wheel down here, running around in circles, chasing the ambitions in life. Only insight through proper self-observation can pierce the hard shell of pride, ignorance, and the wrong ideas of ourselves and our meaning on earth. We have wrong ideas of ourselves. If we didn't, we would realize that this thing, this tiki that you have to have, this thing that you have to have, isn't going to make you happy. You would realize that just by remembering that it never made you happy in the past, not for long. You had to have the next one and the next one. But we forget because we fall back to sleep. For the few willing to surrender their pride and vanity, esoteric ideas become the seeds planted in the soil of the mind that can grow and change the mind and the way it thinks. Until we can get these ideas out of the memory, we remain useless in our evolution. It's not the ideas that need to change. It's we who need to change. It's not a matter of changing our ideas. We need to change our minds so that these ideas give us more meaning, different meaning, new meaning a meaning that can lift us up rather than keep us stuck here on this hamster wheel. Slowly, I'm beginning to realize no one can help the people who have knowledge of esoteric ideas but never apply that knowledge to their being. This is a bitter pill for me. You figure I've invested well over 40 years in helping people understand ideas that they cannot be helped to understand. You look at that and you think, well, duh, if you don't apply the ideas to your being. You miss the whole point of these teachings. And most people miss the whole point of these teachings by miles. They don't even come close. I was reading these essays that I'd written, and one of them was about someone had made contact with a person who was in some Gurdjieff-interested group, or some forum or something about Gurdjieff. And this person in our group shared with this other person some of the podcast. And the person listened to the podcast and said, well, that sounds a lot like Morris Nickel." And the person said, well, yeah, he's very interested in Morris Nichol and his writings and so on and so forth. He said, oh, yeah, I know all about that stuff. That's Gurdjieff light, meaning it's not the real deal. You know, I've gone on way beyond that. You know, I know so much more than that. I can tell you about Beelzebub's tales to his grandson. You know, I can pronounce all of the unpronounceable words. I know what it means and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, wow, that's missing the point by miles. It's just not the point. The point is not... How do I build my false personality up some more? How do I get a bigger ego? How do I feel superior to everybody else? That's not the point. The point of all of this, the point of all esoteric teachings, the point of all religion, the point of all of this is one simple thing. Find your right place and your meaning in the universe. Find that. Find out who you are, what you are, what you're for, what you're supposed to be doing. If you can find out what you're for, what your meaning is, you will know what to do. Just that simple. You don't have to have any magic formulas. Just know yourself, and you will know what you're supposed to do. And then if you know what you're supposed to do, you'll do it. Because if you know what you're supposed to do, the only possible way that you could really be happy and fulfilled is to do what you're supposed to do, to do what you're for. If you were a toaster, it would be to make toast out of bread. If you were a CD player or a DVD player, it would be to play CDs or DVDs properly without skipping, without distortion. That would be to toast bread to the right darkness or lightness, whatever the dial was set for, whatever you were supposed to toast it for. That's what would make you happy because you would have found your meaning, your purpose. And then doing, fulfilling your purpose, your meaning, that would make you happy. So it behooves us to know ourselves. All of esoteric teachings, all of religion, all of it is about that one thing. They say, oh no, it's about to know God. You can't know God, but you can know yourself. And by knowing yourself, then you have a hint, a clue, at knowing what made you, what brought you into being, what created you. But until then, you have no clear conduit to know anything until you first know yourself. So all esoteric teachings point to this one thing, know yourself. Know your meaning. Get your semantics right. Understand what you are for, why you are here. The vast majority of people continue to think they're one, that they have will, that they can do, and that they're conscious. This is the result of not allowing these ideas to pass from knowledge into being. If these ideas just stay in our memories, just stay in our notebooks, just stay in our file cabinets, just stay in our books, just stay in our heads, and they don't pass into our being, they do nothing. They're like seeds that were never planted in the ground. How much courage it takes to get rid of yourself. That's what it's really about. Where people balk is, you're going to get rid of yourself. The you that you think you are has to be given up to find out who you really are. You have to let go of who you think you are to find out who you really are. I can't think of anything scarier than letting go of who you are. That's death. No wonder they talk about a new birth. No wonder they talk about a new man. The old man has to die. Well, not literally, but literally, figuratively. No wonder people balk and back away from it. Even those who work a little at all of this fall back to their old ways, forgetting they once longed to be freed from themselves. When it gets tough... We kind of like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And they fall back. Well, with all kinds of excuses and reasons, but they still fall back. So if you won the gold medal at the Olympics, then you have the gold medal. If you didn't win the gold medal at the Olympics, then you have the reason why you didn't. Which would you rather have? The gold medal that you wanted or reason why you don't have it? They lose what little meaning they've gained in that moment of insight. So people work at this a little bit. But then they fall back, they go back to their old ways, forgetting that once all they really wanted was to be free. They had this flash of meaning that they got in a moment of insight. And then their mechanicalness slowly begins to take over, they fall soundly asleep again. What meaning? And we remain slaves to our mechanical behaviors, the cause of all of our problems. What? The cause of all of our problems? I thought the cause of all of our problems was not getting what we wanted. It is. It's not knowing what we want. It's not knowing what we mean. It's having the semantics all wrong. If you will constantly feed your lower centers with esoteric ideas, you can counterbalance the weight of your mechanical side. It's a matter of tipping the scales. As we are right now, the scales are tipped toward the mechanical, toward the sleeping mechanical circle of humanity. But if we will constantly add, bit by bit, these ideas to our being, apply them, employ them, in our being, we'll constantly drop them on this side of the scale one at a time, though they may not seem very weighty or very important. Eventually, they'll tip the scales to the side of consciousness. You'll become conscious a little bit more often and for a little bit longer, and it'll be a little clearer. The light will be a little bit brighter, and it'll last a little longer, and you'll remember it a little bit longer. It's slow going. It's certainly not going to go along with our instant access society. If a web page doesn't load, in three seconds, people move on to something else. I don't have time for this. Nope, nobody has three seconds for anything. How will it do it? How will you do it? Consistently remember the ideas. Consistently read about them. Consistently meditate. Consistently practice this. Bit by bit, you will progress. It's inevitable if you work sincerely, if you work humbly, if you work consistently. Consistently. I would say consistency is the key here. If you've got any kind of sincerity, any kind of humility, any kind of insight into yourself at all, and you have or else you couldn't be listening to this, you must have had something. If you will be consistent with it, just bit by bit, try to get back to that insight, to that realization that you could be free, that there is meaning waiting for you, that there is something to evolve into, that there is something that you were meant to be, that you actually have a destiny. And it has nothing whatever to do with this world, except that this world can be used as stepping stones to reach your real true destiny. Change, real transformation of being, not of personality, but real transformation of being becomes possible through your inner choice, not to be a slave to your acquired idea of yourself. It's a choice, and it's a choice we have to make moment by moment you either give in to the acquired side of you and you remain a slave to your mechanical behaviors, or you choose to find new meaning, to find different semantics for your life, for your thoughts, for your feelings, for your words, for your actions. It is true, not everyone will be able to do this. There are those who are simply unworthy of the work. They're unworthy of higher centers. They're unworthy of greater ideas. They're bent toward the outer, and they pass their lives in internal considering, feeling owed, unable to purify their emotional centers of the negative emotions that they live in. Okay, here's my advice to you. Yes, there are probably millions of people like that on the planet. My advice to you is very simple. Don't be one of them. Choose not to be one of them. The emotional center is the key here. It prevents contact with higher centers because it's nothing more than a festering mess of self-emotions. And self-emotions are all connected with negative emotions. You can't be connected to negative emotions and higher centers. It's just as simple. This work, esoteric teachings, these ideas are not difficult. They're very simple. The problem is getting rid of yourself. That's the problem because yourself is not simple. This acquired thing, this collection of stuff that we picked up in life is not simple. It's very complex. And The emotional center, as I said the other day, has to be wrung out slowly and over a long period of time. All of these self-emotions have to be wrung out of it so that you can find new meaning. So that once you get this emotional center purified, there will be room for influences from higher emotional center, from above. Influences that have the power and ability to alter your being, to transform you into an entirely different kind of being. That's what this work is about. That's what your meaning is. That's what you're here to do. Now, either you accept that and choose that, or you don't. If you do, then the way to make progress is consistently apply these ideas to yourself. Because the only way to get to your being, the only way to work on your being, is through false personality. So you've got to apply these ideas to false personality. It's not going to like that any more than you would enjoy having, what is that stuff they pour on wounds? that stings, hydrogen peroxide, whatever. When I was a kid, it was Bactine. There's no, Bactine doesn't sting. And I remember I had this big hole in my arm. My father poured this Bactine into the hole. So it says right here on the label, it doesn't sting. And I was screaming my head off. It's like, okay, well, it does sting. Let me tell you right now, it stings. It hurts. It's called useful, necessary suffering. And you do it intentionally. You intentionally pour this Bactine into the wound to purify it. And it's going to sting and it's going to hurt, and you're not going to be happy. Not right now. But you'll be satisfied, and you'll be closer to your meaning, and you'll be closer to real happiness, true happiness, lasting happiness, and peace than you've ever been before.